This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. All right, well, welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today I have one of my best friends in the world, Ben Fort, joining me. Uh, Ben is actually the person who edits every episode of the Saturate Podcast. So if you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy how it sounds and how eloquent me and Jared and our other guests sound, that's because Ben is back there tweaking the knobs, if you will. And uh, <laughs> and he also, he, he's been listening to the podcast. And so as he is listening and engaging, it's actually, yeah, God's doing really cool stuff in his life, him and his wife and child, like leading them into mission. And yeah, Ben, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to be here on the other side. <laughs> yes. We were just joking about how now you will have to edit out your ums. <laughs> yeah, you're part of the Soma Church in Fort Worth, uh, City Life. City Church. City Church. No life. No life can be found in that church. No life in this church. <laughs> but you're also one of the most creative people I know. You've written musicals and plays, comedy stuff. You're an incredible mind. And so, yeah, I want to have you on the podcast to sort of talk about what God's doing and, you know, what you're dreaming about with a new missional community for you guys, but also, yeah, to get your take on how artists actually are called into God's mission and into community and just how all that works. So first, what is your daily life really like for you? What's what's that about? So I am the only stay-at-home dad in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> uh, definitely in our church, but um, yeah, when uh, when we had Piper and we're looking at options, my wife Bethany was good at her job and finds vocational fulfillment in her work, and I was always the guy who just did work and did, did my creative side hustles and mm -hmm. writing. And, and so it just made sense for me to stay home. So, uh, so most of my time is, uh, spent, um, with a 15 month old named Piper and, uh, she's very kinetic. She is always moving. <laughs> so that's what I do. Uh, most of the time during her naps, when I'm not editing the saturate podcast, I'm uh, teach sketch comedy classes at a local theater. And I also write and produce a fictional podcast called public domain universe, which is exactly mm -hmm. what it sounds like a, uh, Marvel cinematic universe ish group of classic characters and, you know, typical stuff. <laughs> it's very creative. People should check it out. It's, yeah, it's amazingly creative, actually, taking uh, all these characters that you're allowed to take uh, because there's a whole bunch that are off limits, but you're taking these characters that are supposed to belong to the public and you take advantage of that by making them your own. And I don't know, it's pretty awesome. So people should check it out if they're looking for, you know, not two talking heads podcast, but actual creative radio production. I think it's awesome. 
Thank you. And so that's what your life is like. And uh, it's funny because I can remember you and I went to college together, we were roommates in college together. And that's basically how you addressed college, too. You're like, this <laughs> is my college is and the classes are what I have to do to be in this environment where I'm able to create other things that have nothing to do with my classes. I remember being in one class that I did not care for. And like I wrote uh, several sketches for uh, the spring talent show in class. But like I, I got so that I could look like I was engaging in note taking and like I'd like look up at the professor and nod. But like if he, if he read the dialogue, he'd be like, oh, this has nothing to do with sociology. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's how that's how we did college. But it's all right. We both graduated and our parents are proud of us. And to throw it back to you, uh, you operated <laughs> in college like you are now. Uh, Brad uh, sought uh, to be missional in his European way uh, in college <laughs> in Shawnee, Oklahoma. It took several of us over to Portugal to uh, kind of model what does it look like to, um, you know, talk to people about faith in a post-religious society. And mm -hmm. uh, and we were part of a ministry together called Canterbury, which uh, still exists today, which I think is a big compliment to what you set up, that it wasn't based on your leadership or you or any of us that were part of it, um, that like the leaders were in community and, um, you know, really tried to serve other people. So college Brad would like you. <laughs> Thank you, Vit. That's true. This is a good memory lane. I didn't realize how big of a memory lane episode this would be, but uh, it's true. I use college as a platform to like equip and train and, and do disciple making. That's what I thought that's how I use my international business degree was, <laughs> was pursuing relationships with people, uh, whether it's with our work or in the neighborhood of the town or with our, our fellow students. That was, that's true. Yeah, I, that is nice. And so I guess, yeah, if there are college students out there listening, it's like <laughs> use college as a platform to advance the mission of God and not necessarily just for class, though you should study in school. And get a couple of marketable job skills, because I don't think either either of us came out with that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Build your resume in some way. So shifting gears, sort of. <laughs> so you are on the cusp of starting a new uh, missional community. You guys call them city groups. They're community centered on the gospel and on mission. And so I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, how did that come to you to like want to start a new community? And what are your kind of hopes and dreams for that? So part of it was editing this podcast. Um, <laughs> I've been forced to give a close listen to every episode. So you have at least one captive audience member. And I slowly started drinking the Kool-Aid to the point where I found the missional community model, bending a group's time and resources around serving a particular group to be very compelling. But yeah, something clicked because of the multiple examples on this podcast about serving football teams. <laughs> I guess I'd always felt that a common mission should be something that like feels really spiritual and is inherently hard. Like... Mm. 
housing asylum seekers or mentoring women as they leave the world of prostitution, which are both things that people in our church are doing. Uh, but football is not spiritual. Um, sorry if, if that's controversial, <laughs> but uh, it's not. But that opened up my mind um, uh, because it's not something that you feel like you should do. Mm-hmm. But on one episode, y'all talked about passion being part of the equation. And me and Bethany love artists. We always have because mm-hmm. we're big dreamers and like working toward things we can't see. Mm-hmm. And most people don't, um, but artists do. And we really connect to that. And there's a part of ourselves that, that, that needs to connect to people over that. And so like as like a group that needs to be served, being an artist in Fort Worth is really hard. Mm. When we lived in Chicago, there were a lot of artists and it's still hard there, but uh, we'd ask each other about projects. Like we're all working at Starbucks because we don't want to get real jobs so we can work on our arts. And we're asking each other about projects. Um, Your friends tell you that you're doing well. Um, And there were even artists in our very, very small church. (laughs) But then we moved to Ann Arbor and it was this success-driven town, this grad school town, and mm-hmm. uh, we were in a group of medical residents. It was harder to connect to people on that that dreamer streak mm-hmm. of ours, and and it was a really rough transition. And uh, that's when I first felt uh, one of the hardest parts of being an artist is the sense that you could stop creating, and no one would even care. Mm-hmm. And it's been the same in Fort Worth. There's not really an arts infrastructure. There are major gaps. It's not clear how to get into certain scenes. And so all this is working against you. And on top of that, you stop telling your friends and family what you're up to because you're tired of them saying, huh, or you're tired of them saying, hey, that's so cool, but never listening once or coming to your shows. And after years of that, it's just easier to quit. So yeah, when we talk about need, like every artist has this need um, to, to be affirmed in their work, to have people listen to what they're trying to say through their medium. Uh, so that's all we know that this group will look like is serving artists in that way. You know, so that's will be mm-hmm. our starting point because <laughs> I know very viscerally that that is what an artist needs. Like I'm a well-adjusted person who finds their hope in the kingdom of God and mm-hmm. I have uh, regular breakdowns about <laughs> being misunderstood or not listened to. Right. So the idea that you and Bethany are walking towards is, man, what if the mission was artists in Fort Worth and we became the kind of community that's you know centered on the kingdom, centered on the gospel, where people are actually that part of them is welcomed in and affirmed and encouraged. And that's sort of the playing field. That's even the service that you're providing is to provide that sort of nourishment and encouragement to people who are, yeah, on the, not just on the outside of the church, but also the outside of the, the normal culture, right? In Fort Worth. Exactly. I mean, it's a little narcissistic because it's like, we wish people would fill that need for us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think that's an interesting, yeah, like we talked about in that episode about how passion can be and is one of the best indicators for what mission we should be towards. I think that that's... Uh, your story is pretty encouraging. I'm sure it's going to be encouraging for a lot of people of, wait, there's this thing that I really care about and I always care about it. And whatever city or town or situation I'm in, maybe God is actually calling me to 
step out and do something in that. And so it's really brave that you're you're stepping out in this way. And so how will you guys serve and engage people outside of your group? I've got friends in the comedy community, so we're going to start by more regularly attending the comedy shows. There's there's house teams at our local comedy theater and they perform mm-hmm. on Monday nights and Tuesday nights. So we're just going to go and continue the relationships that we already have. And I think as we ask people to join us, if they don't have something they're interested in, if they're not an art person or a a play person, we'd invite them to join us watching comedy shows and hanging out with our comedy Mm -hmm. friends, going out with them afterwards uh, and just have them come along with us as we do that. Yeah. And then help them find uh, something that they're passionate about. And it may be comedy, but it also might be dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the Fort Worth dance scene, uh, <laughs> but I, I'd love to help people find that. Yeah. And, and uh, be able to do that. And um, You still I, are Methodist at your core, so you do <laughs> love to dance. So, and I think that's that's pretty cool approach because I think what you're saying is we already have an in in this. At least we know when the the comedy scene is happening in Fort Worth and we're going to go as a community there and then we'll see what happens from there. We'll open ourselves up to relationship. We'll be supporting. And I can already see how, I don't know, that's just a beautiful picture of the gospel getting played out because Jesus doesn't sit up in heaven and say, all you people need to climb up this mountain and be more like me. He actually empties himself, comes and takes the shape of a man, comes and walks in our shoes, in our place, even taking his early disciples to all sorts of cultures and towns and cities that I don't think they naturally belong to. But Jesus wants to go and and in a way is affirming their humanity through it all instead of sort of calling them on top of the mountain he descends to us Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think it's really beautiful to see a community of people going and and doing that especially i would imagine most people artists and creative people in almost any city do not expect uh, christians to come to them just to encourage them in their art no no, I mean, they don't expect anyone to come right. support them in their art, uh, much less <laughs> Christians. One of the questions you can ask anyone in the comedy community is, do your parents think you're funny? Because mm. like enough of us like, aren't supported by our own family right. in this. Um, mm. I am, but there's kind of this, like you're almost surprised when someone's like, yes, both of my parents think I'm funny and approve of my life choices. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which then I think that's just a big opportunity to be family, Mm -hmm. the family we were all created to be, which is like, no, I'm going to show up and I'm going to support you. And, you know, I'm going to be here. I even, yeah, there's probably lots of family members that, and like really great dads who aren't necessarily like, yeah, that painting is like my favorite style of painting. Yet that dad always shows up at every art gallery and Mm -hmm. says, wow, you know, like you came from my family and you created this. This is amazing. Yeah. I think that's how God truly looks at us as we are creating and cultivating things in this world. He looks to us and says, 
holy cow, you're made in my image and here you are creating out of this world that I put you in and he's proud of us. And it's cool to see you guys trying to do that in the place that God's put you. That's really cool. Thanks. I think that draws up another question is, you know, we've kind of been talking about how creativity or, or, you know, a community being on mission to artists and how that works and how that'd be really great. Uh, How do you think that uh, the arts or creativity connects to the gospel itself? And how do you think that could get played out in your community? Big question. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the Sunday school answer is that we worship a creator. We believe God created everything and that we're made in his image. Often that's, you know, we're talking about nature when we say that. And, you know, I'm a good parent and have a zoo membership and I'm routinely blown away by the the weirdness of these animals that I see. Um, but like God even preserved his story with his people in a very creative way. Like the Bible itself is like a really weird piece of literature. This like story Mm. rules, (laughs) uh, some more story, really depressing poetry, prophecy, when it comes to the New Testament, Jesus, we get four different takes on it, a yeah. sequel, and then like a bunch <laughs> of letters and sermons and arguments, and then a vision of dragons. So right. God really showed his creativity <laughs> in that because he used different authors, different mm-hmm. personalities. Um, and I think we miss out when we say that faith is best expressed through this particular genre or like maybe these mm. couple when it comes to creativity, Christians are creative because we slowly align with God's view of the world. Hmm. And that doesn't mean that we're more creative in an artistic sense, artistry or the ability to see and to teach others to see that's a gift from God handed out regardless of belief. So you've either been blessed with that or you haven't. So like, if you don't have Hmm. the aptitude for becoming (laughs) a good guitar player, like being a Christian is not going to change that. (laughs) Right. But where we are creative is that our gospel worldview keeps us from getting on board with certain things. Hmm. So this borrows heavily from Tim Keller, but we believe in a story of creation, fall and redemption that God created the world, including us. And it's good. And there's not an inherently bad part of creation, including us as people. But we also believe that sin has corrupted everything and that no one and no thing is exempt from that. Like Mm -hmm. everything's, Uh, marred by sin in some sort of way. But we also believe that everything will be redeemed through Jesus. And that's our story. And because creation is good, we can't make an ultimate villain out of anything. Mm -hmm. And because we believe the world has fallen, we can't make anything the ultimate hero other than Jesus. And those ideas, which Tim Keller says in a talk called writing from a Christian worldview has I've adapted that as my, my, my comedy approach. But I think for overall creativity, like think about our current political climate, there's a widespread belief that if they will come over here and think like us, we'll all be good. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. And we sometimes buy into it as Christians, but it's not true. We can't even completely get on board with the Constitution. Uh, so <laughs> so a Christian approach to politics has to be creative because we see the dominant approaches as dead ends. Right. So God, God bless any believer in politics because I don't know how they do it, but they, they might say the same for comedy. 
Right. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I have no idea how to be a Christian in politics, but Tolkien in Lord of the Rings, like he, he shows Frodo and Sam in the way that they deal with Gollum, conservative and liberal approaches uh, to, mm-hmm. um, to dealing with him. You know, like Gollum used to be good, but right now he's pretty dangerous. And Sam has this conservative approach. He sees it as black and white. Gollum's mm-hmm. dangerous and not to be trusted. Frodo's more compassionate. He sees the good in Gollum and who he once was. And they were both right. Like Gollum responds to compassion and also tries to kill them. And mm-hmm. <laughs> because Tolkien operated from a Christian worldview, he didn't set this up as like Sam coming over to Frodo's side or Frodo coming over to Sam's side. There's nothing inherently good or evil about these two approaches. And both of them were needed to mm. get to Mordor. So that was a result of Christian imagination, um, Mm. of uh, affirming our personalities and our approaches. Um, And either one of them can be dangerous if misapplied, but there's Mm. nothing bad about the way that we're wired and see the world. And so you're saying that the gospel informs our comedy, for example, because it curves us towards a different just view on the world entirely. So it's not that we make good Christian comedy or, you know, like uh, we do jokes about the church. It's that we see all of the world sort of bent towards redemption and restoration. We see the world created good. We see sin marring everything. So we don't hold up one thing as like the perfect thing except for Jesus. And then we try to tell stories or, or point people towards just those redemptive realities. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. My Christian approach to comedy, I actually, when I teach sketch comedy, I say it on day one of my class, is that we're all beautiful, horrible people, and our art needs to reflect that. There's something good about all of us, there's something horrible about all of us, and we're being dishonest if we make art that says... They're the bad ones ruining everyone. They, Mm. and it's us that are going to save it. Mm. And that's just dishonest. You know, even looking at like, what's the joke, you know, is the joke that this character is Christian or this character is gay or this character has an accent or has a different level of ability that they're a woman? Or is it because they're infected with the selfishness that infects us all and they just happen to be those things? And that's going to be a very different approach. Comedy has somewhat of a liberal bent and I've seen bad improv scenes where people come out and they just start talking in a Southern accent and say hateful things in churchy language (laughs) and kind of expect to get a laugh. And uh, uh, comedy teachers would say that that's bad, but, uh, but they expect to get a laugh and sometimes do. But as a Christian, we can't do that. We have to say like, what's the joke? And the joke is that uh, we're all messed up and that we can twist anything. I think comedy is not really about redemption or restoration. It's best in the the category of the fall uh, where we just Mm. question things. And I think, You know, these late night shows that try to give answers kind of come up shallow because I don't think that's comedy's job is to give answers. We just question things, which is kind of fun. Well, yeah, that's really fun. And even, you know, back to your the mission of your community, it's pretty fun because it's almost pointed towards a group of people who know and spend all their creative energy 
expressing the world's not as it should be. Mm -hmm. And which to me is uh, G.K. Chesterton, the philosopher, uh, always describes that as the, the single most easy thing to prove of the Christian doctrine is humans are messed mm. up, which seems backwards. I think a lot in our society, maybe it's changing. We're kind of believe that we're really good, you know, like, well, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it's kind of exciting to see where you're going to love and serve and care and welcome people into community is a bunch of people that have already acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like really messed up. There are Christians that don't acknowledge yeah. that. <laughs> Right. Exactly. So that's like, wow, like, I don't know, so much opportunity to, I don't know, learn and grow. And I don't know, I think it's it's pretty beautiful. The other day I was talking to a friend and uh, he was talking about how improvs, uh, his words were quasi-religious and that it gives them a purpose and that he's in a community and be able to create stuff. And I asked him in almost these exact words of, So do you think that creating things can hold the weight of the despair of life? (laughs) And like, and like, we haven't talked about that term, the weight of the despair of life, but like, we're artists, like we know. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, like I'm, I'm happy to meet them there. Like, you know, you talked in another episode about being a functional atheist, like when I'm a functional atheist, I'm operating that mentality. Everything's terrible and all we can do is incremental change and that's all we can hope for. But where the gospel speaks to me is that there is hope of redemption. Um, There is a God that is, that can change hearts, um, that can change the hardest of hearts and uh, that anyone can join into this new kingdom and that he's restoring all things that's beautiful. Yeah, that's good. That's probably even a really amazing spot to just stop because, I mean, that's the hope regardless of whatever we're doing as far as a missional focus, you know, or whatever we're doing within our own families or within our cities. That is the big hope. doesn't matter if it's football players or comedy writers or the nannies at the park or whatever mission, you know, that, that God is leading you towards that's essentially the the rub and the hope is that God will restore all things. Good news. Very good news. I want to be like you guys. Do you have any resources for, for people that had to do with artists? <laughs> that is what we do. I mean, there's now this podcast. <laughs> there's this podcast, which is this episode is very good. Yeah. You know, I think Mike Cosper's podcast Cultivate is a fantastic place to go mm-hmm. to receive all sorts of encouragement and and thoughts on that. Uh, I really do think that Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor on Work, Mm -hmm. really does apply. And then there's also a book called The War of Art by Pressfield. It's a really short book that I think it's not like Pressfield is a Catholic, but he's not, it's not a Christian book, but I think it gives a really good approach to the battles within an artist. So those are my resources. Would you have any to add? The one I've already mentioned, Writing from a Christian Worldview by Tim Keller. And that's a talk. It's about an hour long, but the first half of it is the talk. And then it's a question and answer session after that. So you can get the content in 30 minutes. Uh, So that was foundational for me as a creating artist. I think also Andy Crouch's book, Culture Making, is oh, uh, yeah. 
really good about the posture that we have toward culture. And it's, it's not just about artists, which it does address that, but he says that like all of us are either artists or gardeners who, you know, are cultivating and like looking at culture and, um, deciding, you know, what's good and what should be thrown away. And Mm -hmm. so all of us have a, a role to play in culture, not just those who are creating. Yeah, that's those are two really great resources to add to to my list. Those are probably better than my list. So everyone just do what Ben said. And uh, he's the expert this week. <laughs> Next week, back to back to just editor, just editor. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's it's encouraging. I hope uh, you, the listener, you've been encouraged in this episode, even if you're not an artist at all. Hopefully it just sort of can help you get unstuck in just ways that you're thinking about mission or, or what it could look like or how community life or how what you're doing on mission actually fits into the whole redemptive story of Jesus. I hope that it's been really encouraging. And then if you have stories too, just like Ben, we'd love to hear them. Uh, you can connect with us on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, email. You can email us at hello at saturatetheworld.com. We like that email address. We think it's fun. Yeah, hopefully you're being uh, equipped in your local church and you're enjoying this podcast, but that God is working through you and in you. Thanks for joining us, Ben, and uh, we'll see everyone next time. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.